This is the Infatuation Podcast, where I get together with a few friends and talk about Asian things and Asian people that we love. This is Curtis, and on today's episode, we're going to at least be talking about circling the globe and talking about travel. Welcome to episode number eight. This one has been one that's been on my mind for a while. We are slowly, hopefully, crawling out of the pandemic, and it's been, for most people, at least a year, year and a half, two years since we've gone anywhere exotic, and so we were just thinking about what kind of episodes to do, and this one popped to my mind. And, you know, it's not like it's super easy to hop on a plane right now, but uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about travel. And I am not actually a a world traveler, so I had to bring on some friends to help me talk about this. And I couldn't think of two better people than my guest today. So let's start with Tony. Welcome, Tony. How's it going? It's going well. Excited to talk about travel. I can talk about travel all day, every day. I know. It sounds like (laughs) it. Yeah. And Tony... um, Tony and I go way back, but uh, he's one of my sister's oldest and dearest friends. And uh, I remember, you know, a few decades ago when, few decades. when uh, my sister would just tell me all these exciting places that Tony was going. And because Tony worked for United Airlines uh, over a dozen years. How long did you work for United? Close to 15 years oh, okay. almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And took full advantage of the perks that comes with working with the airlines and I just remember my sister saying, oh, yeah, Tony's in South America or Tony's in China or Tony's where Egypt, you know, all these places that Tony was just, it's kind of like, where's Waldo or where's Carmen San Diego? It was always like, well, where's Tony? And so I thought he'd be a perfect guest for this. So welcome, Tony. Thanks for coming by. Good to be here. And joining us all the way from Hong Kong. So it is Friday evening here in San Francisco, and we are getting ready for dinner or bed but we have all the way from hong kong we have my friend alice hi alice hi hi i'm alice hi everyone happy to be here today good morning to you um, yeah good morning <laughs> yes good morning what are we at 10 a.m over there uh yes it is 10 a.m saturday ah so this is so this is so amazing that we can zoom talk about travel to people on different continents this is great and Alice, the same similar story to Tony. Right after, right after college, right, pretty much right after college. After college, yeah, worked for Cafe Pacific and uh, was a flight attendant. And I would follow her on Instagram, and just same story. It'd be like, "There's Allison in Amsterdam. There's Allison, you know, wherever Alice is." And it's just great, right? When you work for airlines, that's what you do. Yes, yes, it was awesome. It was a great lifestyle, especially when you're twenty something, right? When you're when you're twenty something, yes, no mortgage, yes. no attachments, <laughs> yes, uh, thin wallet though, right? You don't get paid a ton when you're working for the airlines, or do you? I don't know. No, 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 no. I mean, you basically spend all the money paying back traveling. To the yeah, traveling. Yeah. So. <laughs> And then also, I don't know if you know this, Curtis, but with the airlines, you could trade your days away. So you could take a month off. It won't be paid, but you could still see the world. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I really like was uh, having like so many days off. It yes. was so comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And you can fly a friend. Like Alice would take her mom places. You could fly friends with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I, I bet you had a lot of friends back then. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to register like 
for for Cathay. Um, so we can have four family members um, to get to add on, you know, like the travel list. And then we can have one companion. So it was my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So he was living large just like you. Yeah, that's the best. So I, would, I would say he um, he misses flying more than me, actually. Uh, well, you ended up marrying him, so it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. Oh, that is that worked out really well. <laughs> When did you realize you had travel lust or wander lust? When when was it? Was it in college that you guys realized that you really wanted to travel the world? For me, it was college. I, I think, you know, I, I paid my way through college. I didn't have any money. And when you see everyone doing their spring spring break stuff and you see people going to Europe and Asia, and here I am with my summer job in Riverside where it's 110 <laughs> degrees, <laughs> you know, you think, wow, they're sending me a postcard and hearing him, you know, paying for my education. So that's when I really said, when I have money or after I graduate, because remember when we graduated way back in the late 80s, <laughs> you know, it, it was all about college equal good money and a great job. So I kept thinking, okay, once I graduate, I'm going to travel and see the world. So I knew I had to wander less then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you, Alice? For me, um, it was back. Uh, I was in college as well. So I took my first big road trip in college. I think it was like maybe ten days or like around two weeks. I can't remember now. So I worked um, as an assistant for an oil painting artist back in college. And one summer, I just tagged along to like an art show. It was um, it was in Denver. So first we flew to Chicago, and then we drove down to through Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and then um, to Colorado. So like it was so many things to see on the road. Like it, it, basically, uh, like we were just stuck in the car like the whole time. But I like it. I really enjoyed it. And you know, like it was so so many so many nice stuff to see. Like you can meet people along the way. I love it. So and then I wanted to naturally I wanted to explore and go to more places yeah you gotta hear your kid in the background. <laughs> a 10-day road trip is good though that's that's a good time to see the u.s you know good, yeah. good long enough time normally you won't like really just go to that you know i don't know like kansas or arkansas <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, i've never been there yeah me either yeah and so like i i think people might know that you're you're not born in the United States, so you got to see some areas that a lot of Americans haven't even seen. <laughs> exactly, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Michigan, I really like Michigan as well. Ah. Yeah, another place yeah. I've never been. <laughs> that's cool. And then from there, you were just like after college, you were both kind of like, "What should I do with my life?" And then you, or did you did you look for United, or did they kind of come to you? How did how did Cathay come to you? Um, I had two good friends. Um, they were already working for Cathay back then at the time. And one of them asked me like to apply when Cathay was hiring. Like I was, I was like literally just out of college and like, it was so tempted because I would be working and traveling with them a lot if I get the job. So it, it was, it was an easy decision for me yeah. and it didn't hurt to try. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I just went for it. <laughs> How about you, Tony? So one of my really good friends, um, he ended up applying to Southwest Airlines because he's a airline buff, not so much as a travel person. He likes airplanes. He wanted to be a pilot. 
And he says, hey, you know, if you work for the airlines, you can go places. I was like, we can. And then, you know, my first job out of college, you know how sometimes things just don't pan out. So I had a job working as a uh, sales rep for Gallo Wine. And here I looked like I was 12 years old <laughs> selling in the tenderloin. It was the most difficult job I've ever had. It was so wine to these stores when I was 21. And they thought, what do you know about wine? I knew nothing about wine. I had to lie, make it up. I read up on it. So he said, you should work for the airlines and then figure out what you want to do afterwards. So that's how I that's how I got in. And with United at the time, all you needed, if you had a degree, you were already in because I worked at reservations. And I just kept saying, oh, okay, I'll be here as I look for a job. And then one trip turned to two trips, turned to 10 trips, turned to five years, yeah. <laughs> turned to 20 trips. You know, it just after that, I said, I'm never leaving this place. I'm never going to leave. <laughs> did you ever do other, did you ever work on a plane or did you ever work at an airport? Um, so I actually ended up going from United to a trainer. So I flew around the country training in the reservation centers and in the airport. I kind of didn't want to get stuck as a flight attendant because I didn't think I'd have as many options as working ground. Hmm. And then I kept saying, you know, I worked four years with this business degree. I kind of struggled. I paid for it. I kind of should kind of follow what I need to do. You know, what I think, what I thought should do with my business degree and not so much as have fun. And plus I got peer pressure, as we know, from yeah. family who are like, what are you doing? Why are you traveling? You know, why did you move back home? And now you can't even pay for stuff. So, and I think at the time I made 18 16,000 the first year, <laughs> oh, I think, man. or something crazy. Yeah. It was just above them. Yeah. And then when I left 14, 15 years later, I think I made $19 or $20. I, when I was looking at my social security statement, I said, wow, I really must have loved that job for me to yeah. not make over 30000 <laughs> Well, it's, it's, Living in San Francisco, mind you. Yeah, because it, there's a steady stream of college kids who want to do that job, I, I guess, right? So. Oh, yeah. Everyone on my training class was a postgraduate and everyone had the same. Let's just stay here for a little while. And all those people who said they'd stay there a little while stayed there as long as I did. Yeah, it's just it's just hard to make a career out of it. But for a 20 something year old, it's like dream come true. It, 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 it was the it, it didn't get any better. It didn't get any. And, it, and then especially especially um, Alice, I mean, you're able to go back and take your mom and, you know, that that's where you're from. You could visit without, you know, having to worry about all the buying a ticket and everything else, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's just an amazing perk. It, it was, yes. Yeah, it was a great lifestyle, like very addictive. So, you know, like even people just intend to stay for a little while, like they, they just end up, you know, like retired, <laughs> like just make it a career. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you can, I guess. Well, well, we used to say United. If you made it there five years, you're going to already be a lifer. <laughs> there's no way. If you already stayed there five years without leaving, there's no way you're going to quit because you're already hooked to the flight benefits. <laughs> and the only reason why I left was because my office shut down, and I I didn't want to move to a different. I didn't want to move to Chicago or to L.A. or to Seattle or to you know, D.C. So uh, that's the only. Other than that, you'd still be there. <laughs> 
I would still I would still be that puppy making maybe thirty bucks an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's a story to kind of plant a seed in your head. My my cousin uh, worked for the government for his thirty years, and you know he got to be. 60 years old or, or not, you know, not old, but old enough to retire. So he retired. And now just for fun, he works for Hawaiian airlines, uh, like nice. four days a week. You know, he does the morning shift. He does like the 5 a.m. to, to 9, 9 a.m. Like he does a real quick four hour, five hour shift in the morning at Oakland air, Oakland, uh, international. And then he flies to Hawaii like three times a month. <laughs> so he's in retirement he's, he's enjoying it. You know, it's like he's, he's making 20 bucks an hour. <laughs> But he's yeah. got the pension from the government job, and he's just kind of kind of doing opposite of you guys. He he worked he worked for thirty years doing something he didn't really love, and now he's doing something he really loves, but he's not making any money. Well, you know that's my goal. Yeah. So so when United, because I I kind of was let go every you know after September 11th, all the a lot of the um, the airline satellite offices, the reservation offices closed down, and everything consolidated. So part of the package for me for my severance was that I can come back anytime throughout the life of the airlines and then bridge my seniority or so they, I, I could do that. Or I take this monetary severance package. Right. So I said, you know, I, you know, I was still young. I said, do I really need that much? It's not, it's not even a lot. They give you a percentage of how many years I left with 14, 15 years. Right. Or can I come back during retirement and they bridge my seniority and I'll have flight benefits for life. I said, I'll take the flight benefits for life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, Tony, do you still have the flying benefits now? So, funny that you ask. So, friends, when I was working with United, who actually became flight attendants, put me on their enrolled friends. So, I have, so I've had flight benefits nonstop. Oh, yeah. And my husband has still works technically for the Marriott and he's kind of even he's earned enough that he's they're called a quarter of a century oh. employee. So we get free rooms. Oh, at Marriott. that's key. <laughs> wow. That's like the perfect. I know. I know. Yeah. That's, we just need a best friend who works for a car or a cruise and we're all set. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Alice, are you thinking you might go back someday? Maybe. It's hard. No, you need the money. I yeah, especially now, like, you know, with family, with a baby, it's just, I don't want to, like, be leaving him, like, yeah. you know, like, for the whole week. Yeah, that's yeah. super hard. And Hong Kong's like San Francisco, right? It's not a cheap city. No, it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably can, can afford living here with the um, flight attendant job and spending all the money traveling. Yeah. Not going to work out. You just, yeah, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be able to take advantage of it like you used to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But like it was really nice. Uh, my you know, my mom, my brother and even my in laws they can travel. Yeah. So like they really make the most out of it. That's great. Like they would travel in, you know, business class. Now I don't I think they're really sad like they have to stuck in economy class. <laughs> like, you know, going forward buying full fare tickets. <laughs> Alice, were you able to take advantage of the ID nineties or the ID seventy fives? Yes, yes, yes. ID ninety five. So Curtis, what that what that is is that as an airline employee, you get a 90% discount on other airlines, cruises, hotels, oh, wow. and everything else. Yeah. So, yeah, even if you're on, like, Hawaiian Airlines, you can go almost anywhere, right? Just for yes. 90%. Yes. 
Whew. All right, now the audience right now is like, oh man, where do I sign up for this? Because yeah, our audience, we have some younger members of our audience, so they may be thinking, huh, okay, I don't have a plan for my early 20s. I might have to do this. Would you recommend it to, to a kid who's 21 years old? No, no big idea what they want to do? Would you recommend it? If you love traveling, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, it was so much fun, and you won't be able to find this lifestyle with any other job. But However, if you want to eventually utilize your degree, your knowledge in a different field, like you will have to start early. Like, like what Tony said, like you can be in this airline industry for more than five years because it, it became your comfort zone and it, it will be hard to get out. Uh-huh. So I was laid off during the pandemic, to be honest. And my experience as a supply attendant for Cathay for eight years, it was definitely an advantage when applying for like you know customer service customer jobs but you're pretty much expected to start from the beginning so like so like i like basically i worked for access flight attendant for eight years but that doesn't really like transit or apply to a different job environment. It gets you in the door, like it's a conversation starter. It's <laughs> a good one. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that with the the airline job, it really is truly for someone who has the travel bug. If you have serious wanderlust, then that job is for you. I've had, there was a woman I worked with who was from Stanford. She graduated from Stanford. She's like, I don't care. She goes, I love to try. That's all I'm going to do. She's like, I'm going to make it work. And she did. She's still with, she has a side hustle, you know, because I'm friends with her on Facebook. But also one thing that people don't realize, and I'm certain, Alice, this is the same with all airlines, is that they have very strict rules. So in reservations, if you were one minute late, you were late. Literally one minute late. So if you were late three times in, when you first start, you're fired. Uh-huh. And, and you're literally fired. You're not even getting, because you're told, late three times, one minute, just one minute, and you're fired. So United was very, very, very strict on that. Because they know, they got you, right? They know that people are in this job, not for the money, but for the perks, and people are lining up for that job, yeah. You know, I have a funny story to share um, when you mentioned this. Um, So we had, we... So there's a there was a fly uh, scheduled to fly out from San Francisco to Hong Kong, but the captain was late, because um, the captain lived in Vegas. So he every time like he has to take a pop, uh, he has to hop in the flight to come to work in San Francisco, and he forgot he had duty that night, so he couldn't make it. Yeah. yeah. So the whole plane wow. had to be delayed. <laughs> no, no, no. The, so the fly was canceled. Oh no. Yeah, because one person didn't show that's, up, but you know, like yeah. the most important person of the flight. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's yeah, that's not good. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's move on to. Uh, so I have my guests here, so we're going to talk about some destinations in Asia because this is the Infatuation Podcast. Even though these two have traveled all around the world, we're going to talk about Asian destinations today, mostly. Uh, and so I have a couple challenges. You guys know how this podcast works. Uh, I have a couple challenges, uh, and so uh, I want to pick your y'all's brains about this. We're going to talk about uh, the first one is a challenge where I'm asking you, and let's see, uh, maybe Tony can go first on this one. What big city in Asia should be on everyone's before I die travel list, or what you call a bucket list? 
is there a is there a place you never get tired of going or you would be there right now if you could be there's always new things to discover even if you've been there five times is there a big city that you might recommend to our listeners yeah for me it's bangkok i think i've been to bangkok at least being with my husband 27 years at least 27 years. <laughs> oh, wow so i mean i I know Bangkok so well that when I go to places, I ask about how their baby is, you know. <laughs> so I think to me with Bangkok, um, it has everything I need. It's a, it's, it's, when I travel, I like to kind of focus on more of a cultural experience. So Bangkok is a giant city. It has a lot of culture. Um, you can see monks walking along, you know, the riverbank just with, just regular street kids uh, wearing the latest fashion. Um, to me, it's where a city where uh, tradition meets modernity, mm. where you can see big reclining Buddhas. There's a, a grand palace. So I think that to me with Bangkok, especially those who like the city, it's big, it's gritty, it's it, it has a thriving nightlife. Mm-hmm. Not that type of nightlife, <laughs> but it has, it has everything that's... Um, probably undervalued compared to some of the other bigger Asian cities, yeah. in my opinion. And you say it's a bargain, right? It's fairly cheap. Yeah. I mean, um, the bot is really good. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't really move up and down the food, oh, you know, yeah. everybody loves, everybody loves Thai food. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I like it. It's, it's, they have a good uh, subway system. You can literally find anything that you need in, in Bangkok. I mean, if you don't want to buy this stuff from China, or, you know, or Korea, uh, Bangkok is the next best bet. Alice, you've been to Bangkok, right? Yeah, yeah, I love, I love Bangkok. I completely agree with you, Tony. Um, and Bangkok has some of the really um, great local designers. Mm. Yes. I love going to those like night markets and uh, Chak to Chak. Oh, Chata Chat is the best. It's the largest night market, one of the largest night markets in the world. It's like 20 football fields or something. You can get lost in that place. Yeah, like I really get lost in there. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there a language barrier at all? Do you have problems if you don't speak Thai? No. No. Mm-hmm. No. You'll always find someone there who speaks English. Great. Great. I think it's more when you go out outside, if you go more rural, you know, non-touristy. Right. But there's always someone because tourism is really, really big there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. I recently just learned the, um, you know, the biggest of uh, the train station night market. Yeah. That one closed for good. So, oh, that's they- a, a rot, rot fi, I think it's what they call it. The, yeah, think- yeah, the train market station. Mm-hmm. They close that. But there's two. Uh, I don't know. They close one. So one of them is like, will be closed. For, like, it won't be open. Oh, that's, yeah, that's. It's really nice. Their night markets are, are amazing. I love the night markets, mm. yeah. Yeah, so one thing I don't know if you guys know with um, uh, Bangkok, they have this emerging denim culture. It's, 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 it's insane. So I just so happened to be there during a time they had this um, denim convention. And I like, because Japanese denim is all the, you know, yeah. Japanese denim is the denim to buy. You know, you go to Okayama, you buy, you just, you buy Japanese denim, but Thai denim is coming up in fashion. And you see these, the young kids wearing the super thick denim. And I said, how much does that cost? When I was converting it, I said, the people here spend money to buy that denim, like mm-hmm. 300 US dollars. And they said, fashion's fashion. That's what you, you got to do it. That's what the kids, you know, the kids, that's what the kids do. But, you know, it's, I was like, wow, that's amazing. There's a lot of 
Yeah. What would a what would a, a decent not not a not exorbitant but what would a decent meal cost you in in Bangkok like a sit down restaurant? Sit down restaurant. I would say ten bucks is probably enough already. Like with you know, like appetizer, main dish, and drink. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the street, a couple bucks. <laughs> no, probably even less. Like I think the satay sticks and the night market are probably a quarter, fifty oh, cents. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then the rule is you're gonna eat at the stalls where you have the most people. So you're gonna go to this. The, the, you're gonna go to the food. You know, like it, it's it's like an outdoor food court, but they're like the stalls. And then you see this random one, and it, all these people are in line. And then right next to it's this empty one. You know which one to go and to. I, I would tell my friends, yeah, there's a reason why that one's empty. Don't go to that one. So every time we bring friends over, yeah, we tell them understand that there's a reason that. This one doesn't have people, and we're we're twenty deep waiting in line. Yeah, (laughs) right, Alex. I think that's all Asian markets. Let's go to the one with the most locals. Look for the locals. Yes, that's the. I think that's all Asian markets. Every single one. Yeah, I mean that's San Francisco. I mean mean, that's that's anywhere, right? right? (laughs) Oh man! All right. How about you, Alice? You got a big city for us to recommend? Yeah, yeah. Um, For me, I would I would pick. I'll say Tokyo. Mm. So Japan in general is an amazing country to visit. And Tokyo and Tokyo being the capital city has so much to offer. Like the endless nightlife, the like they have all the up and coming restaurants and so many interesting or like weird products, things you can buy. So I I personally love the vintage shops. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Like it's just like a treasure hunt uh-huh. in those winter uh, shops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so every time I'm in Tokyo, I would try different restaurants and go to like just a new district for adventure, and it it has really never let me down. Mm-hmm. So I I would say Tokyo is a must visit city in uh, in Asia. And easy to get around because the subway and. Well, yeah, yeah, super easy, super convenient to get around. Yeah, it's friendly. Every everyone helps you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you have to spend yeah. a little more at Tokyo, right? Like it's kind of similar to American prices, or um, I think it's all right. Like you know, like you don't really pay too much, like for a nice meal, like you know, like for uh, authentic sushi meal. Like it wouldn't, I wouldn't say that like, it's it costs a lot more than what you would have, what would, what you would pay in the states, because like oh, you don't have to pay tips, right? You know yes. that. that that already make, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the, the price range, if you go, it's the hotels that's going to cost you. Uh, uh, their Uber is more expensive. Cabs are not as cheap as their cabs here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite district that you like to stay in? Uh, for me, we always uh, stay in near Shinjuku. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. you know, like it's very convenient. That's very, yeah, that's the most convenient. Mm. <laughs> and then... And then I, I end up taking my niece and my nephew, one graduated from college, other graduated from high school. And I said, instead of me giving you money, I'll give you guys an experience. And they, I, I said, what do you guys want to do? I said, my suggestion is we go on a trip. So yeah. they want to go to Tokyo. And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they planned it out and they're both anime kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, yes. And the good thing is they love to eat the convenience store. 7-Eleven. In 7-Eleven. So I said, that's convenience store food. I said, that's good for Uncle Tony because I, I didn't want you guys looking for Wagyu. Yeah, or, right. You know, super expensive sushi. No, but it's not, it's not, it's not slumming it. 7-Eleven in Tokyo is that, Yes, it's killing it there. Yeah. It's good. 
Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely. I'll share that later. That's definitely on my list. So, I'll I'll pick your brain if I ever get closer to actually going. It's it's really too bad that the uh, Olympics aren't fully ex- you know demonstrating how great Tokyo is because they had to shut exactly. it down. But someday, someday the world well someday the world will open up and I'll be able to get over there. Um, for my big city, Alice, you'll like this one. My big city I'm going to recommend is Hong Kong. Yeah. I love Hong Kong. Um, now, you know, there is the colonist history and it's, it's, you know, there's some dark, there's definitely a dark side to, uh, the British being in Hong Kong. Uh, there's a great episode if you, if you like, if you want to know the history of Hong Kong a little bit more, the, the podcast through line has a good episode on Hong Kong kind of talks about the history and it's pretty dark. And, and so there's that. But I think it's created this really neat fusion of the East and the West, you know, the ultimate East and the West fusion. And you have the double-decker buses. You have, for for the time being at least, you have things like Times Square and Victoria's Peak named after, yeah. you know, named after companies or British monarchy. And I think that's just kind of neat. And then you have English on all the signs, right? Because, you know, they have that left over. And, um, it's just, it's such, it's such a unique place, you know, it's different than China, different than Britain. It's just, um, a a different, different culture altogether. Um, I've, I've only been there, I've been there maybe four times and, and yeah, and like big cities, right? You can go and do different things every time or go back to your favorites. You can always find new restaurants. It's like, I'm sure, Alice, you're always finding new restaurants, right? There are always new things opening up. Yeah, there are really, like, so many amazing restaurants in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. I want to go and have Alice show me around. Yeah, yeah, I want the locals to show us around. (laughs) How long have you been living there? You've been living there five years now? Yeah, I've been, like, in and out for the past eight years. But, like, really kind of, like, moved here maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, if you like seafood, if you like dim sum, <laughs> that's, dim sum. that's where you go. Um, they're also famous. This is for me, and, and I don't know if you can see the background. I have all these aquariums, but uh, they have a famous street for uh, aquariums and goldfish and stuff. Yes. Like that. <clears throat> um, and yeah, you know, actually, and to be honest, my my wife's from Hong Kong, and so her family, I think, could establish residency in Hong Kong and. If Trump had won the second term, I don't know, man. I was I was thinking, I was like, uh, talking to my wife, maybe we should get, you know, maybe we should go to Hong Kong. But Hong Kong's got their own problems, right? They kind of have this dark cloud looming over them in 2047. And, and I, I don't want to get political here or anything. But, yeah, it's kind of uncertain times in Hong Kong the next next 25 years. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, still, still a, a unique place. I think most, I think... Alice, you can confirm this for me, but most people call themselves uh, Hong Kongers as opposed to Chinese or British, right? They're, most people identify as Hong Kong, right? The younger generations, yes. Oh, interesting. And but there, there's always going to be immigration, but yeah, it's kind of it's it's interesting times over there. What what can you say about Hong Kong, Alice? I want to hear your opinion of Hong Kong. Um, let's say it's different when you're just traveling here yeah Yeah. it's a hard city to live in yeah it's i mean like just the weather alone like i you know that you you said like day city is just like you know cold foggy like i actually i kind of miss that (laughs) yes 
Yeah. So our um the 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 air conditioner in our living room, uh, broke for like almost almost a month now. Like <laughs> we just we don't want to we don't want to go home at all. You know, after work, <laughs>、oh, no. like, it's so hot. <laughs> when's when's the best time to travel? October is when the weather kind of gets better. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say October is nice. October, November, December. Yeah. And like um Chinese New Year. So it, you know it it won't be like too cold in Hong Kong as well during the winter time. So I would say like visit in the winter time would be better. Yeah. Than summer. July and August are rough. <laughs> It's brutal. Yeah. And it was raining, like yeah, the whole week. Yeah, it's super hot, but but always so raining and humid. It's just,、uh, but yeah, it's just kind of a neat place. All right, thank you though for those.、Uh, Bangkok, Hong Kong, and Tokyo—you can't go wrong in any of those cities. I think if you want an adventure, or you want to see something new.、Um, always new things to find in those cities. All right, challenge number two. Is where is somewhere in, now? This is a. I think this is an interesting question for you guys to share with me. Challenge number two is where is somewhere in Asia that is a little bit off the beaten path? Like maybe it's a little bit more of a bargain, a little less crowded, or or maybe just not as popular as other destinations. So, Alice, you got a off the beaten path pick for us for Asia? Yeah, for me is、uh, Da Nang in Vietnam. So it reminds me so much of Thailand, but it's less developed.、Okay. Like I would say, it looked like, like I don't know Bangkok, but twenty years ago,、yeah. something like that. Okay. Yeah, the food and massage were great, and it's so much cheaper than Thailand. Like you could get a draft beer in a restaurant, like but I mean, like for happy hour, like but it was like twenty five cents per wow. class. Wow!、Like, oh man, I don't know where else I could find that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's, for me, that's that's definitely a bargain. So Dana has one of the prettiest beaches that I've ever been to. So Over is a great vacation spot,、mm. and I I really really liked it. I it's um it's one of the um places that I want to go back soon as the world opens up.、Uh, and 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 the good thing is Danang is you know fairly centrally located. So I think it's you know a few hours out either direction, and you're going to hit one of the major areas in Vietnam. I know、yeah. one of the places that we went to from Da Nang is Hoi An.、Um, I love Hoi An. Yeah, yeah, it's this amazing town. It's like time stood still there.、Uh, so it's a it's a really it was really interesting town. Hoi An has one of the um has the、uh, world's best Vietnamese sandwich. Oh really?、Spot. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> the、nice. best in the world. Yes.、Uh. So、uh, and like it was, it was like one U.S. dollars for a sandwich.、Oh, it's probably expensive at that place because it's a <laughs> town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you can get a you can get a beer for twenty five cents. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Oh man, <laughs> that sounds so good right now. A beer and a sandwich for buck twenty five. Buck twenty five. Oh、Ooh. man, yeah. Even our even San Francisco, our Vietnamese sandwiches are like five, six, seven bucks now. What's going exactly. on? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> gone are the days of the three dollars sandwich. Three dollars sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Tony? You got an off the beaten path pick for us? Sure.、Uh, I guess for me, one of the off beaten path destinations would be Borobudur, Indonesia.、Ooh. So it's the largest Buddhist temple in the world. It has over five hundred Buddhas. It's an amazing sight to see.、Huh. I think they call them stupas, where they put the 
the Buddha, it's, like a, it's like it's encased in like a, a shrine, yeah? or In a shrine, yeah. And I, I believe they either put the ashes of monks there. Huh. So forgive me if I'm wrong. I just, I, I just remember that there was hundreds of these Buddhas all over. And it, it was, it's elevated up. So if you like or you visited Angkor Wat or Bagan in Myanmar, it's kind of on the same scale. Mm. It's, it, it's just a, one of those gigantic archaeological sites that you can't miss if you go in Asia. It was wow. thought it was really, really amazing. And it, it's it's interesting because, you know, in Indonesia, everyone goes to Bali. I mean, some people go to, to Komodo to see the dragons. You may want to do Borneo if you really want to be rough. You didn't do the roughing it. But nobody that I know has went to Borobudur. And, and hmm. you know, so I thought, I'm gonna. I want to go, I wanna yeah. go there, and and the beauty is, I went to all these spaces before Instagram, before uh. they were, you know. So I remember saying, "Hey, I've been there," and now you know, people Instagram everything there. So yeah, yeah that's interesting because in, <laughs> Indonesia is not really known for Buddhism, but I, I there must be a deep history there. So oh. yeah, you're right. Yeah, look, you're right. I looked that up. Yeah, definitely never, never. Well, I've, uh, yeah, I don't even know if I've heard of it. So yeah, Indonesia is definitely a country that's. Not on a lot of people's radar, but probably should be, yeah. Yeah, and then I remember you fly to the the airline code is Jog, so they call it Jog Jakarta. It's it's spelled Yogi Jakarta, Yogi Jakarta. Mm. And I remember we went to this um, their night market, and they had so many. And you know, I'm not judging because I know this is indicative of many of the Asian countries. They sold every animal. Mm. known to Matt. I thought, wow, you could buy a Komodo dragon here. It's oh, man. crazy. <laughs> oh, wow. And then and then I, I and then they sold as pets or toys these chicks that were dyed different colors. So you could buy a purple chick and a <laughs> pink chick and I thought somebody's yeah. <laughs> raising chicks to dye them. It's insane. And then <laughs> as much as we wanted to buy them because I think they were like 10 cents or right. 25. I, I remember they were like you could have bought a couple for a US dollar. And I, we really wanted to buy them, but they, we said, what would we do with them? That's, <laughs> yeah. You can't just play with them and take pictures and then give them back. You know? now, so. now, do you guys like the fact that when you travel in Asia, you can kind of blend in? Like, Tony, when you're in Indonesia, do people don't look at you sideways at all, right? They- <laughs> no. I, if I'm in Indonesia, I'm Indonesian. If I'm in the Philippines, I'm Filipino. If I'm in Malaysia, I'm Malaysian. Right. Yeah, Japan, uh, they, no. China, not so much. <laughs> Hong Kong, they know I'm Filipino because of, um, you know, they have a big uh, Filipino population right. with the, with the in the service industry and everything else. So, now I remember the first time, like I had never traveled to Asia until I was in my twenties, and you know, in San Francisco, there's a lot of Asians, but you know, when you actually go to Hong Kong and you just feel like, man, I'm just totally blending in. It's a, it's kind of a neat feeling for for me as an ABC kid, you know, where you go. And, you know, you always kind of are a little self-conscious of, of your nationality or race, you know, here in America. But when you go to, I agree. When you go to Asia, you just, you just totally blend in. You walk around with impunity. <laughs> I mean, not impunity. Yes. Yes. But it's kind of neat. It's a neat feeling. So I'll always like that. Well, but you know, you know how we went to Lowell. So <laughs> Lowell was with 90% Asian. <laughs> yeah. So my junior high school was mostly Asian. I went to Denman. So you know, for me to be out when I went to college in Riverside, it was it was a pretty big culture shock to see yeah. <laughs> not a lot of Asians. And then when I started to travel through Asia, you know, I, I felt very 
comfortable. Yeah. I, I didn't feel I didn't feel intimidated in any of the Asian countries I traveled. Yeah, even though you don't Being speak Asian. the language, it's like even though I don't speak yeah. the language, it's kind of cool. It's definitely it's it's an eye opener. So if you're you're Asian American, and you've never been overseas. It's it's definitely something that kind of yeah, don't be intimidated. Yeah, kind of wakes you up. Um, for me, I, I again, I'm not a world traveler, so I don't have a ton of locations to choose from. But I'm gonna say. Uh, that when most people think of China, I think their their typical locations are Shanghai, Beijing, and then you know I guess Hong Kong. But I'm going to recommend Nanjing, which uh, I think is a neat little town. Uh, you kind of get there by going through Shanghai. A uh, neat little town. It's what is it? Still 10 million people, but uh, <laughs> small for China, right? But it is one of the four ancient capitals of China, so it has. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of history, which I think, I think uh, you guys all both appreciate that. You know, America is such a young country. When you go to places where they have four thousand years of history, it's pretty neat. And so Nanjing has like old. They have a six hundred year old wall, not not quite as big as the you know the Great Wall of China, but they have a wall there too. They have a Ming Dynasty tomb, and then they also have. The history of being the uh, the nationalist headquarters. So if you know the history of China, you know that there was the communists, and then there was the nationalists. So Chiang Kai Shek set up shop in in Nanjing. So he was there for like two two decades. He was there for twenty years, and so now it's a museum where I think the Chinese government says, "Look at these guys. We kicked them out." But uh, there's also a mausoleum to Dr. Sun Yat Sen, which uh, even communists and nationalists consider the father of the country. And it's a really neat place. To, you know, there's the thousand steps that you can climb and the blue roofs. It's it's really kind of a neat place. And, of course, there's the history of when Japan invaded and they had that that um, terrible moment in, in Nan, Nanjing as well. But great food, great culture. Um, you know, and, and if you take the train from Shanghai, you can visit some other cities along the way. You know, the Suzhou and... There's Wuxi. There's a couple towns along the way that you can visit. Again, all these are over over five million people probably. But uh, yeah, Nanjing. Go check out if you're in China or if you've been to Beijing or Shanghai. You know, take the train from Shanghai into Nanjing and and go visit uh, maybe a town that a lot of people might not be on their radar. I don't know. What do you think, Alice? Do you think that a lot of people have been to Nanjing, or am I just dreaming? <laughs> not really. It's- it never make like to make it to the top of my list too. To be honest, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been there, Tony. Yeah, now I'm in, I'm interested. No, I've never been. How how far is it from Shanghai? Oh, it's a two hour train ride. Some not oh, not far. Well, definitely, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's not that long because I had to stand. The train was so crowded. I had to stand up for <laughs> for the two hours. So it wasn't overnight or anything. It, it was you know it was pretty pretty doable, but definitely a neat little. It has a little bit of history and a little bit of modern, modernity as well. So yeah. So did you choose that place? How did how did you decide on on that when you were there? Yeah. So uh, so in college, I uh, I had a professor who did research on Lake Tahoe, and I was I was uh, studying ecology, and he said, "Oh, I have a I have a um, kind of a partner or a you know just a, a friend who does research on Taihu uh, in Wuxi. It's it's a big lake in China, and so he's buddies with this professor. He goes, "Hey, you should go over to China." to to visit that lake and see you know you can be kind of like their guest in a way and so uh they weren't paying for anything but i i I said i was going to be in china anyway and so i I was over there and then he wrote me a letter of introduction (laughs) to this professor at the ah, i don't know the name of the it was like the nanjing institute of 
you know, limnology, which is a study of fresh water. And so I stayed there as a, um, as a guest student in a way for, uh, about three weeks. So I was there and I was helping them translate what what, he could speak English. So he would write his articles in English and I would help translate his English into better English. (laughs) So I knew what he was trying to say. I was like, I know what you're trying to say. So I would turn his articles into better English so he can get published in American journals. And so I was working for basically working for food (laughs) and, um, a funny story. So back then I had to stay in the foreign student building. And so they kept the foreigners away from the the locals. So I was in the foreign student building and I don't speak Mandarin. And so when we go into town, I would go in with Africans and Bulgarians and people from all over the world and we'd go and I'd say, Oh, I like this t-shirt. And they're like, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, you have to talk them down in price. You have to bargain. Right. But I don't speak Mandarin. So I would have like an African guy, um, you know, dark skin, full on Afro African guy speaking Mandarin on my behalf, right? <laughs> and I have the Chinese face, but the the merchants would look at look at us and like, why is the African dude speaking and the Chinese dude just nodding his head on the left? So, uh, yes, yeah, so it was kind of an interesting experience, but it was yeah, one of those. If you can get into China somehow, if you can get a get a connection, it, it's always a better experience when you stay yes, for a little bit yes. longer, yeah. I don't know if I don't know how I worked my way into that. It's kind of one of those things that just happened. I was, I just told the professor, "Hey, I'm going to be in Asia because I was teaching English in Macau." And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be in Asia for a little while." And then he's like, "Oh, yeah, you want to go visit, you know, Nanjing?" I'm like, "All right." So, yeah. That's a very cool story. It is. That yeah. is a cool story. That's a really cool. That is a very cool one of story. the coolest times of my life, you know. It's it's what is it? 30 years ago and, now, but uh But still 3 weeks. That's 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 something you tell your kids when you're growing yeah, up I, I think you were saying this too tony that when you travel you you like to stay you know at least three weeks three weeks if you can right yeah because any shorter than that you're a tourist yeah i mean you really can't immerse yourself into a culture or an environment i don't think because you know you're still decompressing i mean how people do a week in a country you know you travel to asia for a week is weird to With me the jet lag you yeah. know yeah so yeah because you you will be spending like two days on on a plane. On a plane, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it just hits you too. The sights and the sounds, the humidity, the language, all that stuff takes a minute to get used to it, to get comfortable too. All right. Well, guess what, guys? That's the end of episode number one. <laughs> well, episode eight, part one. Um, we're going to talk some more, of course. But uh, thanks for sharing your, your locations. I think this is fun. I, I just like talking about this kind of stuff. But we'll be back. We'll be back with part two. Uh, so thank you all for listening out there. Um, please let us know your thoughts. If you have, um, if you are, yeah, now we were just talking earlier before on this podcast that some of y'all live in Hong Kong or Indonesia or Thailand. If you are in one of these countries, please write to us. Let us know if you agree with our picks or add to our, our locations that we mentioned. Um, you can write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. 24 hours a day. We, we cross time zones. We cross, it doesn't matter what time. Email us anytime. You can follow us on Instagram at the Infatuation Podcast. And I'll put all these details in the show notes, but there's more episodes coming soon. The second part of this interview, as well as we're doing the one on Shang-Chi coming up. And so we're going we're gonna to have more episodes for you coming soon. So please check wherever you get your podcast. But until then. On behalf of Tony, Alice, and myself, we wish you, or we hope, that you are all happy, healthy, and safe. Take care out there, everyone, and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.